Oh, would you look at that? There's a new episode of the Blackcast on my phone, ready to play right now. She tried to cast a spell on me She had long dark hair Just a black as night With a secret that can't be told And when I looked into her eyes She had the type of soul Who's that gypsy woman? What's she doing to me? She knows how to use her magic She's crazy psychopathic Who's that gypsy woman? What's she doing to me? Locked inside of magic How can I break free? Yeah! Welcome to the Blackcast. Very excited today to bring a few young up-and-coming musicians to each and every one of you, starting right now with Griffin Tucker, who has a great new song called Gypsy Woman. Griffin, thanks for taking the time to chat today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So uh, I was uh, looking at the new video, which we'll talk about, and uh, some of the more recent videos. And, you know, when you're on YouTube, it's very easy to go down the rabbit hole. And there are a lot of videos uh, for you. And I came across one, which was you at a piano uh, singing and playing. Uh, Maybe I'm amazed, the Paul McCartney song. And that's when I realized just quite how uh, young you are. Are, but of course that video is not that old how old are you there are you like 10 i mean i i my son's five so i have a good sense i'm like you're bigger than he is but uh it, it's crazy to to see you playing and singing a song like that at, at that age yeah i was around 10 or 11 and uh i mean i i just got in intact with this guy his name is salim he, he owns a studio um we like all the lights down low got a spotlight put turn the camera on and yeah it was it was really fun to do that video yeah, I mean, and it, you know, it's impressive. And there's a there's a bunch of other videos of of original songs from when you're younger, which we'll talk about. But uh, you know, just some of the covers in there, and it just, I, I mean, look, I remember, you know, when I was ten, I was convinced I was going to grow up and become Luke Skywalker. So that shows what I know. Uh, but I, you know, I, I also uh, didn't have uh, your talent for musician. So at what point do you start thinking? Does it go from like, oh, it's fun to sing, it's fun to do this? To where maybe your parents and yourself are like, oh, this seems like something that you could actually, you know, obviously not drop out of school at the age of 10. But, you know, at what point do they start to think like, hey, this could be a real thing, you know? I think the, the first moment that my, my mom and my dad love to tell the story, um, I got my first drum set uh, when I, for my sixth birthday. Um, I had been asking and asking and wanted to go back to Guitar Center like every week just to go play the drums like at, at you know, the guitar store. Um, but uh, I got my first drum set, and I would just lock myself in my music room, and I would just keep playing it and keep playing it. And uh, one day, I just decided to learn uh, Black Diamond and sing it as well, because Peter Chris would sing and play drums as well. Sure, yeah. And so I just kept practicing it, and it would, I just tried to keep combining it, tried to really get it uh, tight and locked down. My mom and my dad, like, they're downstairs, because my music room is, like, on the second floor of our house. They're downstairs and, and they're listening and they're like, 
is is he singing along and playing drums to that? And they come up, and of course, it's just <laughs> me, just you know, just having a blast, just playing the drums and just singing um, at the same time. And they're like, I, I I think Griffin's got something. And of course, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when they realize that I should like be put in the band, and that's when I joined um, a Beatles tribute band. So yeah. Well, and, and, you know, you were probably trying to figure out a way to have the drum raiser uh, rise, uh, drum riser raise uh, yeah. the way that uh, Peter would do. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a great memory. I think, uh, every, you know, I, if I were to hear my kid upstairs, my son, like I said, my son Felix is five. If I, if I hear him playing black diamond, I'm going to be very excited one day. Uh, that, uh, yeah. Uh, so in terms of, you know, uh, hauling up in your mu music room and, and, you know, just sort of playing around, uh, had you seen live music at a young age or was it just you just would hear the music and want to recreate it? My first inspiration to really play drums because drums were my first instrument sure. was seeing uh, the Beatles first U.S. visit. I had those I had those like DVDs of uh, the Beatles playing on the Ed Sullivan show. And of yeah. course, I'd see I'd see them all doing their thing, but I was I was just taken by Ringo, just kind of like doing his thing, kind of bobbing his head up and down, just looking so happy playing drums. And I was like, yeah. I think I want to do that. So yeah, that that was really my first my first taste of like maybe I want to actually like play this stuff, which was actually seeing the Beatles perform live in the Ed Sullivan show. Well, uh, you know, and that that you know, you hear that story a lot from you know musicians, you know, probably like the guys from Kiss. That that was, of course, you know, the thing that they saw that made them want to do it. Only they were like watching it live on TV in like 1965 or whatever, and, and you're just mm -hmm. seeing the the DVDs. You know, it's funny you mentioned Ringo because I do feel like he is somebody that is often you know characterized as. You know, I'm I'm not going to say that. You know, let's just say even if he were like, oh, he's the least talented Beatle. That's still you know more talented than most musicians. But I think you know, obviously he wasn't their original drummer. But I mean, a lot of like actual drummers will tell you is like, no, you you're kind of missing the point. Like what Ringo does really is great. And as you started to kind of pay attention to him and. Uh, I'm not, uh, you would never hear me on here uh, disparaging Peter Chris, but sort of like, you know, just a way of comparison two different drummers that you liked when you were younger. Uh, what do you think it is about Ringo that made him so, you know, such a great and an integral part of the Beatles? Well, I think with all of these great bands, like almost like super groups, even, th even though they weren't like technically like super groups, they were just like, these these bands where all the members were so so important to their sound and and why they were so unique in their sound. Um, examples that come to mind, of course, the Beatles had Ringo, Led Zeppelin had John Paul Jones, uh, Queen had John Deacon. A each band kind of needed the glue to to keep like the three other guys like in line and kind of make it all uh, work together. And Ringo R Ringo really was so in, important to the Beatles because he played for the song. He didn't try to step on John Paul George's like toes. He didn't, he didn't like try to steal the spotlight or anything, but he was always doing exactly what the song needed. Of course, songs that come to mind are like A Day in the Life where the, the groove is like, it's just kick, snare, kick. But in between each, each of John's lines, he would put his little like tasty fill in there. And that's exactly what the song needed. Um, and it's just so genius and it's so, it's so perfect for the song. And I think, I don't think the Beatles would have been the same if it hadn't been for Ringo's, you know, Ringo's steadfast, you know, just being the glue for the band. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I definitely think that uh, it, it's a great point because, you know, bands that maybe don't, you know, not everybody achieves the level of uh, popularity that the Beatles did. But, you know, bands that don't last a lot of times, it's because there is no glue to hold them together because, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, you, you, you when you have too many different parts, you know, and then uh, you got to figure out that uh, right rhythm, no pun intended. Uh, so uh, just circle back for a second, because you said you were fairly young. You ended up in a Beatles tribute band. So uh, how old were you and did you play a lot of shows? Was it just locally or did you end up like doing some touring with it? Um, I was I was eight years old when I joined uh, wow. the Beatles tribute band. It was it was called Run for Your Life. It was such a blast because, of course, um, the Beatles, I mean, I grew up with the Beatles and of course I just love playing that music, but yeah. we just played locally. I was the youngest guy in the band. The oldest one was 15, I think when we started. Um, so it was, you know, it was a very like, it was just like a child Beatles tribute band. And we got to, we got to like open up for like the actual like big Beatles tribute bands in town, like Hard hard nights day. And we got to play like the Granada here in, here in Dallas and, uh, it was really just a lot of fun just to be able to, you know, just try out playing in a band and seeing what that was like. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, uh, you know, even when people are, you know, when musicians are adults uh, starting out in a tribute band seems like a, a great way to do it. So especially when you're a kid and, you know, no, nobody should have been asking an eight year old, uh, can you write songs? You know, so right. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, the idea that uh, you were out there uh is uh is, is definitely great and uh so by the time you were 13 you won the texas 10 under 20 guitar contest at the dallas international guitar festival uh so obviously uh there you know it's under 20 you would think that you know maybe the winners are going to be you know 16 17 18 you know 13 is still on the young side so uh talk about just competing and being excited as a 13 year old to do that but then to actually win it the crazy thing about being in that competition is that my mom was submitting me like through like online, like before the guitar show, because of course they can't have like a hundred people competing at the guitar show. So they'd have like these different rounds online where you just send different videos in. Um, and I had no clue that I was in, I was in the competition until it was the actual like final 10 and we would go to the guitar show and compete in front of the judges themselves. Um, and so I went there and everyone was performing. And of course there were these shredders up there and they were just killing it. And I mean, you know, these, these other great, you know, musicians and guitarists. And I was, I was blown away. I, I, I had no idea that I was even, you know, even comparable to these guitar players, but uh, they did, they did call my name and I was, I was, you know, blown away that they, that they called my name. And of course I was, I was just like smiling like a kid, like, at a candy store just like i got like you know i got the golden <laughs> ticket um but it was really it was really crazy and it and it, it really gave me a lot of credibility because especially being a kid it's hard to get that credibility and just you know people just think of you like as like oh you're just like a, you're good for a kid you're you're you yeah. know you're rocking up for a kid but it really it was really good just to kind of have that credibility of like hey i'm you know i'm actually like a good guitarist even though i am you know 13. Um, but one of the things that, uh, the biggest things that, that did bring for me, uh, was the voice. The voice actually scouted me out by seeing the video of me playing at the Texas top 10 or 20. So I do have, you know, them to be thankful for that. I got to do that. 
Yeah, and I was reading that you were on The Voice and you also were on American Idol and uh, maybe The Voice a little bit more, but American Idol, typically you don't think of it as something for rock musicians. I mean, there are a couple exceptions. Uh, you know, there, there are definitely a few uh, a few people who ha are in in the rock space who have uh, you know uh, uh, you know come out of American Idol, uh, but typically they do seem to mostly be focused on pop. So, uh, in what way were both of those shows helpful to you? You know, I mean, obviously, there one there's exposure, but in terms of what you're actually able to learn by being a part of that, uh, what are some of the differences between The Voice and American Idol when it comes to that? When it comes to that, I mean, I did the voice first when I was 14. Um, and I went out there and we we were out there. I, I was out there in California for a whole month. That was the first time I'd ever stayed at like anywhere outside of Texas, like for that long. Um, and so I went out there and the whole time I was just surrounded by the other contestants. I mean, these people... These people don't they're, they're not messing around they're they're wanting to win the show and they're they're very very talented and they all you know share the same dream and the same goal as i do so it's it's, a, it's very very uh almost scary to kind of be surrounded by that just to kind of like be immediately like living with i guess your competition i guess um but it was, it was right. Very... It's almost like you're never going to be able to become like really close friends with these people, at least not during the competition part, maybe after the fact. But, uh, you know, when you're all actually trying to get the same thing, you know, it's like, a, you know, an, an actor striking up a converse, conversation outside of the, the room with a, you know, a, a casting agent. It's like, well, that's not going to be your best friend because you're, you're both trying to get the same thing. So uh, I, I can I can definitely see that uh, you're able to you know, take it in. But at the same time, it's like, Oh, do I, do I trust these people? You know, definitely. It's, it was, it was crazy just to, and plus the whole thing, it was just a completely different experience from just like having fun and playing at any, you know, at any live venue. It was very like, very organized and very like, we have to sign these contracts. You can't do this. You can't do that. And you have to be at like this place at this time. And you really, there's a, there's a lot of big, a lot of scheduling. Um, but it was, it was just a completely different experience from anything musical that I had ever done before. Um, and it really just gave me a, a taste of just how, um, how the, how the industry works, especially like with corporate people and like people who are like higher up and have like, you know, a lot of control, like, especially like with, you know, like television and all that. Um, but it was very cool just to get to meet the other contestants and also the judges. It was really, really cool just to be able to play in front of these people who have already made it and who have, you know, who have seen a lot of different talent and just to get their feedback was really amazing. But of course the biggest takeaway, as you said, was just getting to be exposed to a whole, whole different audience. And, you know, just, just to get to see people who wouldn't exactly be looking for indie artists, you know? Right. Uh, let's see uh, in the chat, uh, Jason Blair, who he has uh, six year old triplets. So he's, you know, most of the way there to having his kids start their own band. Uh, he's just sort of wondering how you get on the voice uh, American Idol. It's an obvious cattle call, but getting on the voice is a bit more opaque. You said that they actually, they saw your video. They kind of sought you out, right? Yes. Both the voice and American Idol uh, scouted me out mostly because I honestly don't think I would have ever done the shows because I, I was personally like at the time I was I was satisfied just being Griffin Tucker in Texas and just kind of, you know, being known here and all that type of stuff. Um, but they scouted me out. So I figured, well, it must be like, you know, a God thing. So I kind of have to I kind of have to take it if it's like knocking on my door. So 
I'm definitely glad I did it, but yeah, I, 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 you know, I didn't even sign up for it, but I'm really glad well, I did. Well, yeah, no, no, and I, I think that uh, you know you could have uh, also gotten some bad advice from older musicians, maybe who might have said like, no, don't go on those shows. But uh, you know, there's nothing really to to lose from getting you know just that kind of recognition, and you know, when you're just known about texas does that mean like you get your own table at whataburger or like what what are some of like you know what's what's the 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 texas vip treatment that you get when you're you know the the that level i mean texas is just a very like the the uh the dallas fort worth like musician circle is very just like if you know like the right like the right few people you kind of know everybody because those few people will eventually know like everybody and kind of you kind of know your way around like the musician circle, I guess. Um, but it's it's very just fun. Of course, it's always I'm always having fun just playing live shows and getting to create my my own music and just kind of be who I am, like where I live. But at some point, I had to I had to take the next step of being like, well, there's there's more there's more to the world than just being in you know DFW. There's you know there's more places to to be and more people to reach out to. So. That was really the big reason why I did say yes to going on those shows. Yeah, because sure. I didn't want to take the next step. Now, in uh, in 2017, you put out a, an album. The album's called Believe It, and you have a song called Believe It. And that was another moment where it took me, I had to do a double take because uh, you're still very young. Because that's four years ago, that video, right? But, yes, uh, that was actually four, four yeah, It's 2017. Ago. Yeah, that's why I was just like, because uh, I, because so I started with, uh, with Gypsy Woman. So, that to me, I'm like, okay, this is who I'm going to talk to. And then the next thing I see, you're like 10. So I'm like, I'm, I'm all, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's almost like time traveling in a, in a, in a, in a jumbled up way. Uh, talk about though, you know, getting the opportunity to actually put out your album. And then, you know, I mean, the, the song, believe it is very catchy. It's got like a, an anthem to it, but it's, it is making the point of like, Hey, it might be 2017 or now it's 2021, but you know, some of us still believe in rock and roll. Maybe not everybody does. Maybe people believe in, you know, emo or, or trance or whatever, but some of us still believe. So talk a little bit about putting that together, but just getting the opportunity to do the album in, in 2017. The album was really my first, it was my first venture into actually making rock. Because that, up to that point, I was still, you know, my voice was still very high. I wasn't exactly like a, you know, like a raspy rock and roll voice. So I, up to that point, I'd really been making just like pop songs, like my songs, uh, Girlfriend, Need You Badly, Gotta Get the Girl, uh, uh, More Than a Friend All Along, those type of songs. Um, they're very just poppy, and they and it, it fit my voice for the time. Uh, but at a certain point, once my voice had changed enough, and it was, you know, it was just like at the top of my range, those notes that I wanted to hit. So it kind of had that rasp, but made a little more rock. I decided that I wanted to put all of these songs together so that I could like actually make this album. Cause I've always, I've always wanted to make an album. And even though it's an EP, it's like the first, my first step towards making a full length album, just because I love, I love the art of crafting an album and kind of like the track listing and making sure all the songs are consistent as far as quality, but also the sound. Um, but yeah, believe it. I mean, of course, the title track is just about just about my mom writes my lyrics. I write all the music to my songs, but my mom writes the lyrics. So she wrote it about she wrote it basically from my perspective. I want to I want to convey the rock sounds and of course the rock mentality that I want to convey that to the to the listener um, as best I can. And uh, it's and of course the chorus is, "Can you hear it? I want to make you believe it. The music's got the power to save your soul. Believe in the power of rock and roll." 
And that's really just it. That's just kind of my, my basically my theme song, but it's also my yeah. anthem for rock and roll. Well, that's the interesting thing about you know, you saying that your your mom writes your lyrics. That was uh, actually not something that I was aware of, but I think that uh, you 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 definitely can get a presence, you know, a little bit beyond your years, but then you also don't have to worry about your mom writing you something like cherry pie, you know, I mean, right. uh, <laughs> you know, so, uh, and by the way, I am, I, I, I talked to Robert Mason, who's the, uh, the singer of warrant just a couple of weeks ago. I'm not disparaging that song. I'm just saying no one's mom wrote that song. Right. You know? Janie Lane wrote that song <laughs> and he knew what he was doing, you know, yes. but, uh, yeah. So, uh, what's that been like? I, I find that to be fascinating collaborating with your mom and, and uh, is it something that she had done before? Like, did she write songs? Did she write poems? Or is it just like, oh, let me try to write lyrics for you? Was it, or is it something she had a background in? It was very much out of necessity because when I started when I was 11, I, I was just like, I had been writing, you know, guitar riffs and I had been like making little demos and just kind of dabbling in like writing instrumentally because... My first love when I was like six months old was listening to classical music because I, I, I had to be stuck in the hospital um, for a while when I was like less than a year old with RSV. And the only thing that would calm me down was classical music. So I, from a very young age, I had a deep appreciation for arrangements and harmony and melody because, of course, classical music doesn't exactly have words. So I really was more interested in writing the musical aspect. And so when I decided that I wanted to be my own artist, I didn't really have, I didn't really have a drive to write my own lyrics. I didn't, I still don't feel like I really have a story to tell just yet. But I'm sure that I, at some point I'll have something that just like hits me hard and be like, I need to sing about this. Well, well then course, that's sorry. Go ahead. But of course, at the time, uh, it, it was just like I, I wanted to write a song. Um, I did this deal with this guy named Patrice Wilson. He gave me a beat like, if you want to make your first song, I'll make you a deal. You use my beat and I will, you know, I will promote it as much as I can. So we did the beat and I don't really like lyrics. My mom and dad stepped up to the plate and be like, we'll, we'll, we'll try to write your lyrics. Um, and they did. And they wrote the, they wrote the lyrics to my first song, Girlfriend. And from then on, I've been writing the music to all my songs and uh, they've been writing all the lyrics to my songs. Yeah. Well, and, and then there's the other thing too, sort of talking about being open-minded and going on, you know, these competition TV shows. Uh, I think that there are probably a lot of people that if they're either of their parents are like, how about I write lyrics for you? Th that would be like the worst idea that they'd ever heard, you know, but, <laughs> but being able to realize is like, yeah, I don't know that I, I have that in me. Maybe you're not even that interested being open to the idea. I mean, to, to even read your parents' lyrics, much less actually like, you know what, these are pretty good. I, I think that, uh, and that's an important thing to realize too, because, you know, I mean, to not just like, ah, I, I can write the music, the lyrics aren't going to matter. I think just the realization that, uh, you know, the combination is, uh, and I think that's, it's an important thing to, those are two very mature decisions that again, I didn't have to make because I wasn't talented. Like I said, I was hoping I was going to grow up and be Luke Skywalker. So, uh, but these are all, these are all, you know, important things to take into consideration. So the album comes out and what degree of, uh, you know, uh, of, I don't even mean success in terms of like a sales standpoint, in terms of raising your profile, did you get to, to play in a lot of new places because you had an album out or what, what was sort of the, the biggest benefit to putting out an actual album? The biggest benefit, I guess, was I, I had I, I had been relying so much on my pop material, and as I was, you know, as my voice was changing and I was changing as an artist, 
I kind of needed songs that were going to define me and my sound. Um, you know, for you know, even up to now, I'm playing. I'm I'm playing all these songs off off the CP at my shows lately. Um, but even even then, I just I needed songs that were really going to find going to define me. And once I did start playing shows, at the time I was still playing to um, backing tracks that I would make by myself. I would uh, like I would make a track of like drums, bass, and then like rhythm guitar during the solos, maybe some backing vocals, so that when I went live, it was it sounded like it was a real band, but really it was just me on stage and just a computer like backstage. Um, but of course, once I had that out, it kind of gave me more credibility as like a rock artist and not as like just like a kid solo artist. So. I eventually got in touch with, you know, bandmates so I could actually have a band. And eventually it snowballed and snowballed to eventually now I have the rock revolution. And now I'm kind of I'm kind of where I want to be as as a rock artist, you know, to just have a band. Right. And the, the rock revolution is the band that you have now. And that is the song that I referenced earlier, uh, Gypsy Woman. And uh, talk a little bit about putting the band together and uh, having having this song uh, as well, uh, Gypsy Woman, which for people watching on video, uh, I, I should be smart enough to be able to put it on while people so people can see it uh, while we're uh, actually talking. But uh, <laughs> so go ahead and talk about putting the band together and actually doing this song, Gypsy Woman. Yeah, putting putting the Rock Revolution together was a very very long process. I mean, it's it's had you know like band member lineup changes for for a very long time. But Patrick Patrick has been with me for like three years at this point, and we've just been playing together and playing together and trying to find the right people. Um, and finally, we found we found Josh. Um, I was so I was so taken by Josh because he can both sing and play drums at the same time, which is something that I was able to do at a very young age. So I really. I really saw a lot of me in him, and so I was able to relate to him on that front. And also, of course, Cameron, I mean, you see him in the video. He's just, you know, he looks apart. He, he like, mirrors, like, Patrick on either side of me, so it kind of looks like, you know, it, it very he very much fits the band. And, of course, he's a very, very solid uh, bass player. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this, this band came together just very naturally. Like, we just go to other people's shows, and we just ask around, and we, we're constantly looking for – for uh for members and uh yeah I'm, I'm very glad with where it is right now and that uh that we've released this song and this song I, I wrote this song maybe two years ago i had started writing it two years ago like i had put down like the riff like in my voice memo and i just left it there because that's that's honestly just how i write i don't really think of like well it's not that i don't like think of it's just that i don't I don't like sit down and I think like I'm going to write a complete song today. It's just like a very natural like, okay, this this riff comes out. Maybe maybe I'll like it at some point. And of course, like you know, at least like a year or two later, I come back to it and I'm like, okay, I think I can work with this. And so I use the riff and then I add more sections. Then I like put the drums and the bass to it and then like lyrics and melody. Um, so it, it took a very long time to put this song together. Um, but I'm very glad that we did. And of course, this is the first song uh, that we've done as Rourke Revolution all together in the studio. And I think it comes across because that, that band feeling, you can very much feel it when you listen to the song. It's very energetic and it kind of it has that, you know, that live vibe to it. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It's a, I think it's a, it, it's a great song, and it'll be so the album. So the, was the previous album an EP, or this will be an EP, or is it uh, just sort of trying to figure out how many songs you're going to put out at once for this? 
We're, uh, I, I think, I think I'm planning on releasing cause this, this is our first single for what's to come. Yeah. Uh, we're hoping to release, we'll be releasing another single next month and I'm hoping at some point we'll be able to release a full length album cause we're, we're working on a lot of songs and we're hoping that we will be able to put them all together instead of releasing them separately. But it's of course, anything could change. I was even forming this other band called Violent Device before the pandemic started. Then the pandemic hit, and of course that all had to be like yeah. trashed and all that. But we took the songs from that band, took them, you know, as a rock revolution, and of course now they're now they're rock revolution songs. So it's all very unpredictable right now. But uh, yeah, it's. I mean, we're we're hoping for the best. We're hoping that we're going to be releasing, um, re- releasing more songs and maybe even a full length album. Uh, you just never know. Yeah, no, I know it's it, it, it. I've 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 talked to enough musicians to sort of you know look at both sides of it. You know, I mean, uh, you have the idea of just getting the songs out there, but there is you sort of referenced it earlier. There is something about like you know sitting down and you know your your whole collection of songs is like you know Aerosmith rocks or you know Kiss rock and roll over. You know, I mean, just like to actually sit and look and like take them all in, uh, but. Also, you know, just the way things are now, you can you can get the song out there. And, uh, you know, I was reading that, uh, I guess, a, a ballad you have, and I don't know if it's from the current band or, or earlier, but uh, you you have a, a ballad and it's called uh, Heart Full of Love. And it, it's already charting in Australia and the UK, which I always think is interesting, you know, when songs catch on in, in other places. Is that this band or is that something you had before this band? I think that's the last single I released before we actually started okay. working as a band in the studio. But uh Patrick is actually on that song and he, uh, he plays the bass on that song. Yeah. Uh, and, and then sort of, I, the question I was going to ask about that is, you know, when you have these songs, you know, about, you know, uh, uh, you know, like a good example would be the black crow. She talks to angels. It's like, that's about like a specific girl. And then, uh, you know, and then it's like, you know, is, uh, is Angie by the stones really about a girl named Angie. Uh, but so then I guess because your mom writes these songs, then you have to wonder, is it just like, are these like, things that she really you know or she like trying to like well i feel like you'd think this you know does she collaborate with you at all when it's like well this is going to be a love song and uh, or does she just hand you like hey see if this works for that song in in particular heartful love i wrote with this guy named uh steve diamond and that was the first song that i had really contributed like anything lyrically to um because it it was just i i love i love thinking of the, the people, the, the very supportive people in my life, like my family, my friends, and just kind of thinking about where I would be if it weren't for all of, you know, all of the support that they've given me and how they've, how they've helped me get to where I am. And, uh, that's really just what the song is about. It's just about, you know, these, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed to be surrounded by, you know, these people who have been supporting me since, you know, since I was eight years old or, you know, even five years old when I was first learning how to play drums. Um, so it's really, it's really just a song that we wrote just about, um, giving thanks to all of these, all these people who have, you know, given me so much love when, you know, it's easy to get bogged down by whatever in life, but it's always nice to have support. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that the fact that your parents were so supportive, just, you know, hearing you play upstairs and then also like, well, let's write some songs for you. You know, I think that uh, it's it's hard to be more supportive than that. Uh, so uh, your website, by the way, is griffintuckermusic.rocks. Uh, you're not the first uh, musician I've talked to that has dot rocks. I feel like dot rocks really needs to catch on. I think it that does. everybody everybody should have a dot rocks website, you know? Yeah. I mean, 
like why they don't have Rolling Stones dot rocks. It was because they probably don't need it, but that's not the point. You know, everybody should have dot rocks. <laughs> even if it just goes, yeah, it just goes right <laughs> to the other thing. Um, and, you know, look, because you're in Texas, does that mean that you've actually been able to play live more recently than maybe people in some other states? Or is it uh, you have any stuff coming up? Or, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to know. I, I'm in Los Angeles and like we're like just starting to maybe let people do some stuff outside but uh it seems to me like from afar that uh, there has been some live music in places like texas and, and and i know in florida as well yeah i mean everyone like even our, our my band and bands that other bands that i do like playing from time to time we've been very lucky that we've we've been able to play um here and there as far as like gigs go and uh sure. i actually have a few i have a few gigs uh, coming up for the rest of may but i've been i've been gigging for a while and I, I really, I really feel, especially for people in California, because California is supposed to be like the place you go if you want to be a musician. But it's so, it's so tough when you can't gig and you can't have that, even if it's just like a steady source of income. But also just to, just to kind of be constantly exercising that muscle of just playing live and constantly like keeping your chops up and keeping, you know, keeping keeping your craft, um, you know, up to speed. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel for people out in, out in California. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's why back in the day, you know, there, you're able to have like the, the, the LA like sunset scene because there's so many clubs plaque packed into like two blocks you know and it's like well i'm at the whiskey tonight and you want to see me if, if you miss it yeah i'll be at the roxy tomorrow and then the viper room or whatever so yeah it's uh you know we we're, we're getting indications that we might get to do stuff like that but uh you know the the hollywood bowl which is a you know a famous outdoor amphitheater is they're like oh we're gonna have we're gonna have full capacity this year and i'm like like, don't tell me that and have it not be true, you know, like, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. In general, people are optimistic and, uh, you know, I've talked to a few musicians who have been able to do stuff. It seems like touring isn't really that possible for right now because it's like you can play here, you can play there, but what about the in-between, you know, exactly. it's, uh, you're not going to, you're not going to drive two days in a, in a bus with the, the guys in the band without being able to stop somewhere and uh, play some music. But, uh, well, whenever you've uh, got shows coming up, Griffin Tucker music and uh, you said you're going to have some more uh, singles coming out, but uh, there's no shortage of videos already up there. I mean, if you if you want to see, you know, 10 or 11 year old Griffin playing, maybe I'm amazed, uh, which I do recommend. Check out all the new stuff. Gypsy Woman is the, the current video, but uh, there's uh, no shortage of uh, stuff. You, you could you could easily spend the rest of the day uh, going through the rest of it. And uh, Griffin, I really appreciate you taking the time. It was great getting to meet you and uh, looking forward to hearing new music and you know, hopefully you are able to play at the, the whiskey or somewhere larger sometime soon, you know? Absolutely. I would love to come out there and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated your questions. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Uh, Griffin Tucker music dot rocks is the website.
Joining me now is musician JT Lux, who has a new song out called Waited So Long. There's a video for it that you can find on the Frank Hannon Productions YouTube page. Uh, JT, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time to chat today. Thanks so much for having me, Christian. I uh, appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, I want to talk about the video and the uh, the forthcoming album, but uh, you are not the first artist that I've talked to uh, from Northern California, up-and-coming artist who is working with Frank Hannon of Tesla, of course. Uh, let's uh, start there uh, in, in terms of uh, how you got to know him and uh, what it's meant for you to be able to collaborate with him as you're developing this first album. Yeah, so I uh, I met Frank... When I was about 14, 15 years old, I was a huge Tesla fan growing up. And my parents, um, you know, grew me up on that 80s, 90s music. And uh, so growing up playing guitar, obviously looking up to Frank, he's one of the best out there. So um, I really learned a lot from just like watching him live. And then uh, he had seen videos of me online uh, as just a guitar player. And, and uh, when I turned 18, he... He started mentoring me a little bit here and there with my old previous band, but I wasn't singing at all. And then uh, when that fell through, he started teaching me how to sing. And he said, you know, you just got to be independent completely. And, you know, it doesn't matter what your voice sounds like. Just go for it in 100 percent confidence, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think especially, you know, when you're going to be out there in front, you do have to actually have that kind of confidence, you know. I mean, I've uh, talked about this uh, a few times with other musicians. It's always sort of fascinating to think about, you know, some of the, the earliest uh, reporting on, you know, The Doors performing live is that Jim Morrison was terrified of looking out at the audience, so he would, uh, he would face backwards, <laughs> you yeah. know. And just to imagine when somebody has that kind of charisma somewhere inside them, you know, it's uh, just imagine if like Mick Jagger was nervous when he went out there and he's like, no, they don't want to see me dance. So just sort of having that. And I, I guess, you know, somebody who's been around as long as Frank, I think having him tell you, you know, it, look, it's nice for parents and friends to say, we think you're talented, but when somebody who's actually, you know, done it in this business tells you to have confidence in yourself, I'm sure that goes a long way. Yeah, definitely. It helped me a lot because I never, I never even, thought of myself as a singer i just thought of myself as a guitar player and and then when i realized that a lot of people are just you know they're just going for it when they sing and there's not it's not like you have to be the best singer or have the best technique or, or have been doing it for years and years and years to be able to succeed in it it's just about how you approach it um just like the guitar you, the, the guitar was for me when i when i first started out you just have to go for it and in the beginning, it's going to be rough, but it, it really just, if you stick with it, it really uh, progresses. Uh, in terms of guitar, uh, how old were you when you uh, started playing? And uh, what were was the circumstance that you, you saw somebody that you, uh, you wanted to imitate? Or uh, when did you first pick up guitar and who inspired you early on? Well, uh, I did pick up guitar about like 11, 12 years old. And um, so it's been about 9, 10 years now. And... Uh, really what it was is like um my cousin inspired me because i he had he had been playing guitar a little bit and i i was really fascinated by it and so he inspired me to like get into all this crazy you know crazy cool music and then um going into middle school i, I got really inspired by george harrison and um his like songwriting and melodicness of his playing and then I got more into like uh, Cream and, and Hendrix and Robbie Krieger and all those kind of um, 60s bands. 
and then it kind of um it kind of turned into uh, Pink Floyd and I think Gilmore is one of my biggest influences. Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously you're you're talking about it, it, as influences go, it's hard to top uh, anybody that you mentioned there, you know. I mean, and uh you know, when you find them at a young age, I think that uh that that's that's got to be great. Now, uh in terms of actual, you know, seeing an artist live, do you remember sort of being young and, and one of the first concerts you saw where maybe the guitarist really stood out, whether it's an established band or maybe a local band, was there sort of that moment of, you know, this is before you were singing, you said, where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, playing guitar, that's definitely what I want to do. I want to try and, you know, do this as much as I can. Yeah, actually, surprisingly, it's not like, a, it wasn't like huge, huge bands. It was um, bands that were opening for bigger bands. So, um, I went to this local club like about two years ago and uh, this band Joyous Wolf they're like a, they're like a younger rock band but they were opening for Buck Cherry and like um, I didn't know I was just there to see Buck Cherry and when they came out and did like a 30 minute set they just blew me away the guitar playing the singing the stage presence I think was was the most inspiring because uh, it made me really want to get better at my craft you know and and uh, then a couple of years prior, there's another band called Vista Kicks that um, actually they went to my high school like a uh, couple of years prior to me. And and uh, and I, I was really inspired by them. And, and that's about I was like 15, 16 years old. And I and I realized that, like, I wanted to grow my hair out and I wanted to be a musician. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, and look, it's, uh, you know, not uh, you, you have all the guys who, you know, did grow their hair out. And then, you know, Metallica very famously, you know, got their hair cut pretty short and then they went with it. I think that uh, it's still a look that people think when they think, you know, uh whether it's like I'm using air quotes for like rock star, but just, you know, just professional musicians, there's definitely a look and uh, you can really see that uh, in in the video uh, for the the new song Waited So Long, which we'll talk about in a moment. I wanted to talk about uh, the band. So you're all in your early 20s. Uh, were these guys that you knew or did uh, Frank kind of help you put together the band or how did this uh, how did you come to work with uh, Zach and Ethan or the, the two names that I see in the band? Yeah, so um, I had known them prior. They had been in other local bands, and uh, the they always stuck out to me as like the they were so groovy and they the pocket was so tight together that it always uh, stood out to me as like this really co cool kind of dynamic. And and uh, they went to high school together, um, so they they're like best friends. And and when uh, I started singing and doing my own uh, demo tapes, I. I would post like private links on soundcloud this is um just over a year ago and uh there was no drums or anything and and when uh i had a uh, zach approach me about um jamming and so we kind of uh got together a couple times and it clicked right away and he was like you know i know this bass player guy named ethan and and he's one of my best friends and so them coming into the band um being really good friends the chemistry really kind of um picked up really quick and we were able to start writing songs within like the first couple weeks of of jamming in a room together so the chemistry was really there from the very uh, beginning 
Yeah, well, I think that's uh, that's great. I mean, I think when the chemistry's there early, then I, I think you know it's a it's a good fit. You know, if uh, if it took a little while to get the hang of it, uh, you know, the, the probably not the uh, the right guys to have with you. So, and I was reading the notes uh, that uh, I was sent, you know, to prepare for the interview. It talked about how spending this past year in quarantine has really helped your songwriting, and uh, I kind of wanted to have you expand on that because I can see a few ways where that would happen. One would be in terms of themes and topics which i think waited so long is something that is definitely sort of speaking towards where we as a society are right now in april of 2021 where we've waited so long to go to concerts go to you know a baseball game pretty much anything uh but is it in terms of themes but also just having time to to write a lot of songs because uh, it's not like you can really get out there and do as much you know yeah, those both of those are good points. I think um, on on top of uh, you know just having so much time, I think uh, and missing it so much, the topics and everything. But yeah, the main the main thing was um, that we had so much time, we had nothing else to do. Um, there was no shows, you know, and and as much as uh, I would have liked to go out and play some gigs at some pubs and stuff, I think. Um, it really played to our advantage because instead of going out on a Saturday night and playing like three hour cover gigs, we were writing our own tunes and like, you know, working on craft. And, and I think that that um, played to our advantage because we started the band at the beginning of quarantine, like a week after we started the band, everything shut down in March of 2020. And, and uh, so we were like, like, we might as well just write songs. So we, we wrote so many songs in the, in the past year and, the topics it's been pretty easy to write about the top i would say uh been pretty easy <laughs> yeah, yeah it's uh not, not that you would necessarily uh write songs about these things but uh it, it's not like uh the songs that are coming out from artists of the last year are the big you know nobody's writing the next fight for your right to party right now because uh there's no parties you know and yeah. there's, there's nothing like that uh you know and uh honestly yeah i mean it, i think it's it's a lot more introspective. You're really looking inward and, uh, you know, just sort of uh, really being more honest with feelings from, you know, stuff that we're hearing. Uh, the album I itself will be called Taken by Moonlight, and you said you have a lot of songs. Uh, so how far off do you think you are from trying to put out the album? And is it now just at the point of we have so many songs, we have to really figure out which ones belong on the album? Yeah, so we actually, like, I'd probably say we've written, like, over 25, 30 songs, like, completed. Um, but we did choose eight for this record, and it will be out um, at the very end of this month. So um, it's all it's all put together and ready to go. And um, we're excited because we're going to be playing in Oklahoma and Dallas with uh, Frank um, in uh, uh, the, at the Dallas International Guitar Festival and then Two Frogs Grill. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I I had that in my notes that yeah, you you guys will be uh, playing with Frank at the Dallas International Guitar Festival, and uh, for people who are interested, I uh, I know for a fact we have people watching in Texas. Uh, guitarshow.com, and uh, talk about uh, getting to do these gigs, uh, uh, you know. Uh, so you'll be playing with uh, with Frank, and uh, uh, you know anybody who likes hard rock and heavy metal knows Eddie Trunk. He's going to be hosting these events, so. Uh, seems like it'll be a, a, a great, I was going to say a great night, but there's two nights to really go out for. Uh, so that'll be great. Talk about getting the chance to play live 
you know, I mean, in, in really any capacity. I mean, I'm sure even if, like you were saying, even if you were playing in a pub doing a bunch of cover songs, that would probably still be fun. But talk about getting this as being sort of a really big chance to return to the stage, you know? Yeah, we uh, we actually had this gig planned out um, like over a year ago. Um, and uh, it was scheduled for like May or June of 2020. And, and it was kind of like that, you know, from, from March, April and May, it was all about like, we don't know what's going to happen in the summertime. And so everyone was kind of like on the fence about canceling the gig. So the gig got moved back about four or five times. It would go from May to June to July and then so on and, and into September. And then they finally realized that we're just going to put this off till next year. So I'm excited that it's only a couple weeks away and it's kind of surreal that it's, it's coming up so quick. Cause uh, it's a, uh, it means it's, it's got a very special place in my heart because it is pretty much going to be our debut. We've done a couple of live stream shows before, but um, and a couple of private parties. But other than that, it's been we haven't really um, shown anybody our music yet, so we're very excited. Yeah, and and uh, you know, from uh, all intents and purposes, it always sounds like there's a, there's a great rock scene throughout Texas, and I'm sure at an actual guitar show, I think you're going to have people that are going to be pretty excited to see it. And look, it's it's not going to hurt that uh, you know you guys have the seal of approval from Frank because people know him, you know. But uh, and you said there's a there's another gig in Oklahoma. Is that right after that, or uh, is that yeah. somewhere down the road? That's the day before, so the. April okay. 30th. Um, it's a Friday night, and Eddie Trunk's actually going to be there as well. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's it's funny. You talked about uh, Joyous Wolf before, and uh, the only reason I know that band is because Eddie Trunk has uh, interviewed members of the band. And, you know, he does a great job of, you know, he, like me, we have all the rock from the 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever that we all love. But uh, when you find something new that you really like, it's great to be able to uh, give it some attention because, you know, the worst thing that you'll hear people say, I'm, I'm sure you heard it just, you know, before you were even doing anything professional. It's like, oh, yeah, but there's no good new music out there. And it's, it's like, well, it is. You just can't, you know, turn on MTV and, and, you know, see four or five, you know, good rock videos. You have to really seek it out. And that I think that makes it hard. So I think that's great that you're going to have sort of these uh, high profile events. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking sort of about last year. And then as it relates to this year, it's really hard to figure out, you know, it's uh, I, I see things on the news all the time. You know, I live in Los Angeles and they tell me the Hollywood Bowl is going to have a full capacity, full season. And when you hear that, you're like, that would be really cool, but do I believe it? You know, yeah. it's like, I, I, I don't know what I can believe. So uh, hopefully you guys are able to get out there. And, you know, I've talked to enough musicians over the last year that, uh, you know, there's plenty of states that uh, have don't have really strict, uh, you know, compa capacity limitations. Or, and it's getting to be the summer, plenty of outdoor gigs. So uh, hopefully you guys get to play a lot uh, because that'll help uh, bring attention to uh, the new album. Um, I wanted to talk about the video for a moment uh, and uh, talk a little bit about how the uh, how the video came about. And uh, for those watching on the uh, video version of our conversation, you'll get to see a little of it. But uh, just talk a little bit about uh how it came together and sort of you know uh what the uh what the feel was for it basically you know uh what the idea was yeah so um when it came when it came to this video i i it being our first video i didn't want it to just be a video of us um just playing the whole entire song i kind of wanted to 
implement a little bit of a story aspect to it. So throughout yeah. the video, you're going to see a little bit of um, cool transitions. And me and the video guy, his name is Brandon Gillian, and we worked um, a lot on um, trying to make transitions really smooth and look um, make the story kind of uh, work in, in the favor of, of it just actually making sense, you know, chronologically. So, yeah. um, you know, so and, and I did want the aspect of us playing live as well because I wanted to show people what it, what we would look like live as well. So um, in the course. Oh, looks like I uh, just uh, just lost JT there as we were showing the video. I think the only thing to do is keep showing the video uh, until hopefully he pops back in. You know, uh, it's uh, uh, kind of the, the only thing that I can do is talk about the video. And obviously, uh, JT Lux, it is spelled J-T-L-O-U-X. Uh, and he was talking a little bit earlier about how the uh, album is called Taken by Moonlight. And uh, JT is back with us. I see that we, we lost you for a second there, but uh, thanks for jumping back on. Yeah, can you see me or no? We can't see you, but uh, we can hear you. So oh, there you are. Now we found you. So, uh, yeah, let's just uh, pick it up from uh, talking about, uh, you know, the idea. Oh, and, and for those that are watching, this is probably that's probably my favorite part of the video is uh, ever since the uh, the November rain video, when Slash like goes outside of the, the church and he just has a guitar solo in the parking lot. I've always liked guitar solos outside. You know, I was pretty yeah. young when I saw that for the first time. And I'm like, anytime a video has that, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, you know, it's, it might not be realistic, but it always looks cool. You know, the, the outside guitar solo is kind of a cool visual, you know? Yeah, that was definitely an homage to uh, Guns N' Roses and Slash because uh, we had found this uh, cool hill. And, and if you angle everything right, it, it just kind of looks so like epic, you know? And, and then this scene right here, we, I wanted it to be a scene of us just, in the dining room uh, and then when i get up and the camera zooms out all of a sudden there's a whole drum kit in the in the living room i thought that was a cool idea because you know it just picks up all of a sudden you see zach and i thought i thought that was really cool yeah absolutely and uh it's uh it's great too i mean you know look we were talking about how it it can be hard to find new music but the cool thing is that nowadays when you know about a band that you like all you got to do is go on youtube and type in jt lux and uh it's j-t-l-o-u-x uh that's also your website for anybody that wants to find that and you said that the album's coming out at the end of the month which is i re i really thought it was coming out in the summer so we don't even have to wait that long uh, and, you know, we were kind of alluding to how hard it can be to make plans for the future right now. Uh, obviously, things can change, but what's the plan beyond these uh, these gigs that you guys have coming up over the next couple of weeks and the release of the album? Uh, what, uh, what are you hoping to be able to do, you know, throughout the rest of 2021 once the album's out? Yeah, so we're hoping to obviously play some more gigs and, and get our name out there and open for some bigger acts. But um you know, in the meantime, we're going to keep producing more videos and, and putting out more singles. And uh, we'll probably do a couple more videos for some of the songs off this newest, this latest record, some live videos and whatnot. And and uh, just keep trucking forward no matter what happens uh, in the world. We're going to, you know, keep going through and, and just uh, keep moving forward uh, as long as, um, you know, we still have we still have our hands we can create music 
Yeah, and uh, you were talking about how you guys have played some live streams, and uh, I think that that's uh, been a great way for, you know, whether it's established musicians, up-and-coming musicians, just to keep in touch and uh, be able to do that. So, uh, obviously, there's there's no real substitute for uh, getting to see a band live, but... If you're not able to do that, it is great to have that as an option, you know, and uh, be able to get it out there. Uh, well, JT, I really appreciate you taking the time. I loved hearing the new song. And uh, now, like I said, I'm glad to know that I don't have to wait. I mean, I, I'm going to make the bad joke. I don't have to wait so long for the rest of the album. Uh, and uh, the uh, the new album you said will be out at the end of the month. It'll be called Taken by Moonlight. And I guess just JT Lux, L-O-U-X, uh, that is the best place. Just go to jtlux.com and they'll find everything they need to know, right? Yeah, yeah, you can, you can visit there and um, it's got links to everything. Um, and we're most active on Instagram and Facebook and whatnot. Um, and uh, you'll be able to see where we're playing next, or, you know, if, whether it be a live stream or, or a real in-concert, you know, show. Yeah. Or, or if we're doing more music videos or, or live videos, you know, so it'll all be up there. Right, and uh, for in terms of the social media, is it all just JT Lux, or is it, or you know, sometimes some of them are like JT Lux band or JT Lux official, or is it all just JT Lux? Yeah, it's all JT Lux. Luckily, that wasn't taken. Nobody really has his name, so. <laughs> you know what? That's a, that is a great point. Uh, well, I appreciate, uh, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I loved hearing the song. Can't wait to hear more from it. Uh, thank you again, JT Lux. Thank you so much, Christian. I I really appreciate you having me on the show.